His Captive Brought the Princess by Jagger Cole is love. I wasn't looking for trouble, but he found me anyway. I've played a role my entire life, the glamorous movie starlet with the it factor smile, the perfect little Hollywood princess saying all the right lines. That is, until a paparazzi crisis has me jumping onto the back of a complete stranger's motorbike, headed who knows where. But my sinfully gorgeous hero isn't so heroic at all. Nikolai Antonov is one of the most brutal, vicious killers in the Russian mob. I'm a princess on the run. He's a hitman dodging the heat from an assassination. And now, like it or not, I'm his. His captive, his prize. The object of his fierce, hungry gaze. But this isn't the movies. The dominant, volatile beast of a man should terrify me, not make me weak in the knees. I should run for the hills, not tease him, not tempt him, not jump into bed with him. But all that might be the least of my worries. A rival Bratva wants him dead. My psycho ex wants me back in front of the cameras. And a dark seeker from both our paths wants to drag us into the shadows. Once upon a time in Hollywood, a princess fell for the bad guy. And that was only the beginning. This Bratva captive romance is a steamy, non-stop thrill ride that I promise will leave you breathless and aching for more. Safe, absolutely no cheating, no cliffhanger, and a perfect happily ever after. That's it. Go grab it, guys. His Captive Brought the Princess by Jagger Cole. Welcome back to another week here at Remy Romance. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. We are featuring Katie Robert again. She is one of our old favorites that had a ton of listens. This is the book that's called Their Second Chance that, you know, as we've said before, some of our oldies were split into five parts and we played a section a day, which was just chaos and anarchy. So now we're going back and pulling some of those older books and putting them together. And I am so excited that we're doing Katie Robert because I am obsessed with her right now. Like she has a book out that's called Neon Gods and the cover is fucking hot. This, this, she does. She rocks cover. God, she title. does. She has that one book that is just like fucking straight porn. It's um, Your Dad Will Do. And it's like the girl that gets back at her boyfriend. She fucks his dad. And it's just like, it's so good. And I remember she said she wrote that book in like two fucking days. Or like something crazy. And she was like, will I ever do this again? Probably not. But here you go. And like she just <laughs> threw it up on her Patreon. And she was like, here you go. Oh, and I did ask her about her Patreon because she always, she's so good about posting, like, you can get her books early there, you can get excerpts that she doesn't do anywhere else, but she says since her page on there is 18 plus, you can't just, like, search her name, so you yeah. have to have a link. So she sent me the link, and I'll send it to you, and we can put it in the show notes. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So we'll talk about Katie and all her good stuff and giveaways and everything she's got going on in just a little bit. So I want to talk about first, um, why did you get a, a post deleted on Facebook? I want to know all about your vacation and how this happened. 
vacation was really fun actually it was really? so relaxed i can't remember being that relaxed in forever oh, so it was that. really nice we just had a house and there was a pool and the beach was right there so you could walk Fuck off yeah everybody could do their own thing the mm-hmm. kids were old enough that i wasn't like have to be up their ass yeah so it was just really relaxing we had a kitchen and my husband would cook and it was just I didn't have any anxieties or anything like that it was oh, just when we, I was amazing. done I was like that was awesome that's a vacation right it was I was yeah. super happy with it and I it was the first time I've got to the end of a vacation mm-hmm. and I was sad I was leaving usually I'm kind wow of okay. I know I'm ready to go home yeah 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 but I was kind of like god it kind of sucks I wish I had a few more days uh-huh yeah but it was a lot of fun but no one morning I wake up and I go into the bathroom you know to get up to mm-hmm. get dressed and I'm like standing in front of the mirror and I see something like big on the center of my neck and it looks like a freaking I'm like, what the fuck? I'm 35 years old. I'm not gonna hickey on my neck. Oh my god. So I like walk and I like smack my husband's ass because he's still so I'm like, what the fuck is this? He was like, I didn't do that. He was like, dude, I didn't do that. Whatever. And I'm like, well, what else? Yeah, you did. Yeah, who else is over here sucking my But I do have very sensitive skin. So I guess if he just took like a couple of pools when Uh we were having sex or whatever, (laughs) it might have left it there. But I wasn't, I mean, I'm 35, whatever. I have a key. It wasn't, I didn't even really care about that. I cared Uh about the kids. And not because I'm embarrassed. Uh Because I knew if Isabel seen it, she would never let Never, never, never. She would let it go. But I posted in the Read Me Romance group um, the picture of the hickey, and I said, I'm going to murder my husband. And Facebook (laughs) took it down because I threatened a life. I am astounded. (laughs) Like, do you know what, though? Like, Lifetime movie, like, the Lifetime network would make a movie out of what you just said. (laughs) Like, I'm going to murder my husband. (laughs) But... Not for nothing. My daughter, nobody, the, the kids never noticed it. Never pointed never. it out. Never said shit. And it faded pretty quick. quick. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. whatever. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I, you know, when my husband and I first started, God, we had probably been together like a week. I gave him like this huge hickey on his neck. I was just, oh. I'd been drinking a lot. I thought it was going to be funny. And I didn't really think about that. He had to go to like he worked for the city in like oh a professional God. job. And like he's still pissed about it. Like fifteen years later, he is still like when somebody says hickey, he's like, I don't want to hear about it. Like just completely deadpan, uh, angry. Like all these years later, it was such a dick move. I've had hickeys, but I've never had one on my neck. I remember when mm-hmm. we used to travel a lot. My, mm-hmm. He would put them on my boobs where you couldn't see them. Though. <laughs> so when I traveled, I would still see them whenever I was like changing or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's oh, actually a long time since that we've done that. <laughs> so I was just shocked to see it on my neck. Oh, all right. So tell me about this pink Barbie car incident or like this whole, I need to know the whole thing because you just posted on your personal page, you posted up pictures of you in this car and I was like, what is happening? Where are you? I've never gotten so much attention in my life. (laughs) So we're in Key West at this point and Mm -hmm. you can rent these little cars and there was this little tiny pink one 
and I rented that one and I drove it around and like everybody fucking loved this car. It looked like a little Barbie car. It did. It looked like everybody like, like you would buy your kid this thing. <laughs> So I drove it around, but everybody would stop and say, where did you get that? What is that? This is the best. <laughs> I, it was like half a car. It was, it was like basically tiny. the front seat and the hood of a car. It was smaller else. than a Mini Cooper. Oh, my God. It was so tiny, but it looked so cute. <laughs> it was so cute, and it was so fun, and it was it stalled out a few times. And did it go fast? And we got stuck on a bump. Oh like, the car gets, uh, once the car gets going, you can get uh-huh. up to like 50 miles an hour. You're allowed Holy to go on shit. Yeah, you're allowed to go on all the main streets and everything like that, but yeah. it takes a minute to get going. Oh, okay. And, like, if you're even on, like, if you hit even something that's, like, two inches tall and you're just starting, it won't go over. So, I'm sitting there. My husband's recording us because we're leaving. I'm like, get out of here. Stop watching us. And then I roll up to the side and we get stuck on this buff right in front of me <laughs> while he's recording after like, we're being an me. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, come over here and push me. <laughs> Was it a stick shift? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know how to drive a stick shift? I know how to drive one, but I haven't done it in like, I can't remember, probably 15 years. Like I did one when I was like 20. Yeah. I remember I I drove one for a while because my parents were like, yeah, you need to know in case there's an emergency situation, you have to drive somebody and that's the only way to get home or whatever. I mean. When thinking about it in my mind, I think I would be fine. Like, I can mentally do it. Yeah, Uh, I think it's kind of like riding a bicycle. You know, maybe it's like one of those things where, like, once you know how, it's just a matter of technique after a while. Yeah, I cannot remember the last time I drove a stick shift. I mean, yeah, it's probably been 15 or 20 years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Oh, man. Well, I'm so excited that you had such a good vacation. That was nice. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you want to go do it again? <laughs> yes, like, I do. You're ready to go back? Like, that's what I was wondering, too. Like, if you did this, if you would go back to this spot again, or if you're like, oh, no, that was a nice vacation, but I'd do something else next time. Well, this place that we booked, I think that we got lucky somehow because we booked it on Memorial Day. So mm-hmm. everybody's actually leaving. Mm-hmm. And we slid into Memorial Day to, like, Thursday. So it's oh, like wow. a weird time chunk, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I don't know how we got it because then I was like, I'm going to see about booking this again from a year mm-hmm. from now because that's how much I liked it. And I could not find a spot. I'm literally going to have, if I want to do it, I'm going to have to call the hotel and yeah. be like, what day do you have like a four or five time slot available? Yeah. yeah. Because you couldn't find anything. So Man. I think either somebody canceled and I had gotten on like at the perfect time, mm-hmm. but it was magic that we got this week and we didn't even realize that till we got there and we got into this house and we realized I've never gone on a vacation and been like blown away and it was above and beyond what I thought it was going to be yeah like holy shit this is way better (laughs) than it was even said in there yeah that's awesome well, I'm excited that you had a good time, and I'm happy you're home. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was, I was I was so nervous to, like, text you. I really tried not to text you anything about work because I was like – because I really thought, you know, she needs a break. She deserves a vacation. She deserves to go a week without writing, and you still wrote. Like, I was like, you know, she deserves some time off. I like to – I hate when – 
I've, I don't know if you've noticed, but whenever you stop writing, if you stop writing for a long time, it's really hard to start again. Yeah, it is. So it's like just right. doing a little bit a day yeah. can help keep that mm-hmm. up. But like I said, it was so relaxed that sometimes I would just jump in on my phone or whatever. I'd be messing mm-hmm. around on the computer and I would jump over and do a mm-hmm. couple hundred words and pop back out. Yeah. So. Oh, man. So what did you read? Did you read 80 million books? Because you were, I remember you posted something up in headquarters about something you had read. And then you're like, I, did, I read this all day. And I was like, oh, I'm so jealous. Okay. Well, I did. When I was away, I realized that Jessa Dean is like a sneaky ninja. She had like <laughs> two releases since we started talking about her. No shit. And, and I she realized didn't even tell that- you. Like, I realized it when I was away, so I got to get those. And then Did you I text went, her, and you were you like, bitch, I thought we were friends. Like, <laughs> I need a direct alert when you have a book out. Like, I, you need to text message me. Okay, and I went on a binge of Emma Bray. Yes, that was she it. Has that like was when I saw, yeah. Five or six, maybe seven books out. Uh-huh. But all the books are just, they're all kind of the same a little bit, yeah. but a super obsessed heroes from the start stalking obsessed and they were just really fun light beach reads so i just tore that's your cat i was laying yeah that's your shit you're like give me the same thing over and over but in different with with different people that's all it was so perfect for a beach read because i kind of know what's going to happen to a certain degree but it's fun and i'm enjoying it but i can set it down for a second and not be like ah yeah, but pick it yeah. back up but i ended up tearing through all of her books when i was away i love that oh, that's so, so that was nice too I finished the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, you know, the original, the OG books. I finally finished all of them. And I have to say, like, it made me appreciate the epilogues at the end so much more reading Mm -hmm. it again. And I will say the third book is not my favorite. Like, it is kind of boring Mm -hmm. up until like the last 25 percent, you know, but you get those epilogues at the end where they're together in the future and they have their kids and she's pregnant again. And then you get like when he's a little kid. I know. I'll never forget. The one thing that sticks out to me in all the Fifty Shades of Grey books mm-hmm. is when he, in that third book in the end, when he's mm-hmm. just like, take it all. Yes. Yes. He's when like, she's at the bank. Yes. Yeah, he, he's like, yeah. take it all. It's almost like all of this is pointless. Yeah. He's, he's like, this like, means nothing without you. Who gives a shit? Take every bit of it. I <laughs> love that. Oh, that That's like good. my favorite part of the whole book. Of yeah. the whole series, I'm like, take it all. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but I posted about it in our, you know, Facebook group. And I was saying something about like, oh, I finished it, blah, blah, blah. And then on June 1st, it was like a couple days later, the um the third book in From Christian's Perspective came out, the Fifty Shades Freed from him. And so, and everybody was like, oh, are you going to read it? And I was like, I don't, I don't want it to change my opinion of this book. I don't want it to to do anything to change it because to me the series as is was phenomenal you know it was it was perfect I don't need to revisit that and someone said you know it really changed their perspective on his brother Elliot and the dad Carrick and that they didn't like them as much or something like that yeah and I'd heard that and I was like I don't want to read it then because I really like those characters a lot and how they played off of each other from Anna's perspective and And I don't want to mess up Elliot's love story with was Catherine with Kate yeah with Catherine yeah yeah Kate yeah that's her and so yeah same thing and like you know when I was 
going through and reading it, it just, I don't know. I loved it as is. But I will say, when I read Twilight from Edward's perspective, I liked, it made me love Twilight more. But that it sounded didn't. so good from his perspective. It no. was. It was because he was just, he couldn't, he was physically unable to control himself. Yeah. And that was what was so hot about it. And maybe it's that way with 50, but he, 50 hates himself. Yeah. And I don't want to read a book about self-loathing when she sees him so differently. She sees him as fucked up and flawed, but she also loves him that way. Yeah. And so in... You know, in Twilight, seeing it from Edward's perspective in Midnight Sun, it was like, this dude is fucking nuts. This is great. <laughs> and, like, how he was 100% in the second he met her. Yeah. And so, like, and how he hated how much he wanted her because he couldn't physically control himself. And, but, you know, there's a paranormal element to that, too, because his blood, her blood made him crazy. But anyways. Yeah. So, like, that that I liked. You know, there's aspects of that that I was like, oh, man, because it really bummed me out that her mom in Twilight is such a bitch. And you find that out from his perspective. And so, like, that really changed that relationship for me. And I was like, I don't want to do that with 50. This is too much, you know? Yeah. So I I left it at the door as is, and it was really, and I loved how they did it. In the end of 50, you get the first chapter from Christian's perspective where they meet. And to me, that was enough. That was enough for him to to spark that obsession. And then I know what happens after that. So I I just, I turned the page and I put a bow on it. And I'm really glad I went back and revisited it, you know, like, However, it was 2013 was the last time I read it. So all these years later, it was really great to go back and revisit it. But I also started my very first Mariana Zapata book. I heard. (laughs) I've seen that in the Facebook. Yep. Yep. So I had, you know, one of our friends like has read all of her stuff. Eagles read all of her stuff. So, you know, uh, she has, I've, I've heard nothing but wonderful Me things. Me too. I'm, that's all I've ever heard I've about I've never her. heard anybody say a bad word about her books and how my mom and Eagle and another one of our friends agrees that her most recent book is her best one yet. It is her best book ever, but I don't want to read it because I'm like, I need to read her backlist because if I start <laughs> with her new one, that's her best one you know like where am I gonna go from that so Eagle told me to start with the wall of Winnipeg that was the one where she said you have to start here and go forward and I was like okay so this book is 16 hours in audio which honestly after doing 50 which is 21 hours 21 and some change I was like 16 is nothing but it's I mean it's like 500 pages but you know so anyway so I started it and I'm like I'm over halfway through I've got like eight hours left I think and I will say right now, I love it. Like this book is really, really good. It's about, he's from Canada. He's a football player. He plays in the NFL, basically. They, it's like a made up thing, you know, team or whatever. They're called the 300. I 100% picture Henry Cavill as this guy because he is like huge and muscly and like all he does is work out and like so the girl in this book starts off she's his personal assistant and it starts off with she's like flipping him off because she thinks he's such a dick but like he doesn't talk he doesn't say thank you he doesn't do like 
he doesn't, he's selfish, he's self-centered, like, he is egotistical. He's not really a dick, though. Like, he's not mean, he just doesn't consider other people because he has nobody else in his life to consider. And she does everything for him, like, gets up at 4 a.m. to, like, go to his workout, make his pre-workout shake, his post-workout shakes. Like, she does all his food, his snacks, his errands, like, every, she's his bitch. And so, there's a scene, and it happens pretty early on, so just... I mean, it's not a spoiler, but if you don't want to hear it, fast forward. But um, there's a scene where he's talking to his agent and his agent says he calls her a dinner roll like she's fat and the guy like doesn't defend her. And she like she's like, that's it. And so the the guy, his name's Aiden. I think that's right. Um, he's sitting in the living the, the Wall of Winnipeg is his nickname. Winnipeg's a city in Canada, uh-huh. and they called him the Wall because nobody could get past him because he's so big. Anyways, <laughs> so like he's doing an interview in the house, and she like heard this whole thing, and she goes in there and she like mouths it to him, which is honestly it's like way colder. But she goes, I deserve. And, like, just walks out. And, like, he's just standing there staring, like, oh, shit. Like, what just happened? Mm -hmm. And then it, like, the book goes, like, a month later. And so now it's, like, you know, what's happened since then? And it's so good. Like, her writing, I'm just, like, I was in it. Like, first chapter, I was super in it. I was, like, this story is great. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, like, her setup was easy, not complicated. I knew exactly who I was picturing in my head right away. Like, I'm actually the heroine in the book. I picture Laura Jean from To All the Boys I Loved Before. Mm-hmm. Like, the Asian woman in that. I can't think of her name, but she's so freaking cute. But, like, that's who I picture when I'm, I'm like, reading this book. But um, I don't even know if the heroine's Asian. <laughs> like, that's just who I pictured, like, as she described her. Yeah. And so, but it's just, gosh, it's so good. So, I mean, I'm loving it so far. I'm definitely a fan. I'll, I'll keep reading her books for sure. And, you know, I, everybody had told me for so long to read her. So I have, like, I, have three, I think I have three of her books in audio that I've never read. But my mom was like, sign into my Audible. I've got every, every single one. <laughs> She's like, just sign into it. So, uh, so far, I really love it. So if you've never read a Mariana Zapata, I definitely think you should try her out because so far it's awesome. All right, let's get into, now that we've talked and caught up on all our book stuff, uh, let me tell you what we've got with Katie Robert. So, oh, so this week she is giving away a signed paperback. It's dealer's choice. So whatever book you want, she'll give it to you along with a $25 gift card. So be sure and enter for that. Um, if you didn't catch uh, the first time we did this, um, their second chance when we played that, I'll read you um, Katie's book bio. Katie Robert is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of contemporary romance and romantic suspense. Entertainment Weekly calls her writing unspeakably hot. Her books have sold over a million copies. She lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband, children, and a cat who thinks he's a dog, and two Great Danes who think they're lap dogs. (laughs) So... I love following Katie on Instagram. She's awesome. She's also got TikTok. And um, like I said earlier, she's got Patreon. Sorry, I like totally blanked on that. So she's got a Patreon. I'm going to send Mel the link so she can include it in the show notes. But um, her TikTok is author Katie Robert. It's K-A-T-E-E Robert. So be sure and check her out. She's always reading 
she reads everything, like all these different genres. One of the things I love is like she's really into like she calls it monster porn. I think where it's like where like she's like monsters are fucking, and so she'll like talk about all. She'll, she's probably read like ten books this week. Like she's crazy, yeah. I know. But she's always reading and posting up books. That, and I love that so much. When an author is an avid romance reader, yeah. that's that's my jam. I love that. And so, um, like, she's always posting up really good book recs. She's got one that she had recommended. Oh, it was, uh, oh, damn it. I've got, I've actually bought the book because she recommended it. And I think it's like the, the Worst Best Man or something like that. I bought it because she was like, oh, this one was a great book to, uh, it was like um, a redemp- redemption or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll read that. Like, I don't know anything about the book, but I clicked it because her <laughs> book writes, she usually lines up really well with books that I like. So mm-hmm. and like I mentioned earlier, her book that just came out is Neon Gods. It's got 167 five-star reviews on Amazon. And it was number one in humorous erotica today <laughs> when I Damn. looked it up, which I thought was just fucking cool. The The tagline from it, and I'll read the blurb maybe on Thursday, um, but it, the tag on this says, he was supposed to be a myth, but from the moment I crossed the river sticks and fell under his dark spell, he was quite simply mine. And this is a scorchingly hot modern retelling of Hades and Persephone. That is, is that's as sinful as it is sweet. So I know some people purposely go and look out for those books like the Hades Persephone. It's like that, you know, old, I don't even know what to call it, that mythical, you know, story, love story. So people love to go and seek those out. This is one and it's an audio too. So I already grabbed the audio and downloaded it. So I can't wait to read or listen. But yeah, go check out Neon Gods and um, we're going to play the first installment. Right now. See you on the next one. All right. Hey, lady listeners. The Wounded Souls MC series by Leah Shrell is out now, and I'm going to tell you all about it. Come along for the ride with the Wounded Soul MC as they take you on an adventure that has love, laughter, death, betrayal, and an MC princess that rules them all. You can grab the first book, His Sweetness, for 99 cents, but what I absolutely love is the first three books are in audio. His Sweetness, His Honey, and His Beauty all have audio, and the great thing about it is they're all based in Australia, so the narrator's Australian. It's sexy. It's so fun. Those covers are super hot. Like I said, grab the first book for 99 cents, his sweetness, and then just binge the rest of them. You won't regret it. That's the Wounded Souls MC series by author Leah Shrell. Their Second Chance Chapter 1 Nomi Huxley walked into her suite in the Thalanian Palace and took a deep breath. It was her first time being back here in nearly two years. First time being back since she took over as head of the family. And the first time being back since her father had been tried and convicted of treason. This weekend mattered so much, it made her a little sick to her stomach. Every eye would be on her during this event, the king's younger brother's wedding, and she couldn't afford to make a misstep. She walked a slow circuit around the room, but the motion did nothing to quell her rising restlessness. She wasn't part of the wedding party, and she wouldn't be attending the private events leading up to the wedding itself. The only reason she was here a full three days early lay in the fact that the prince's fiancé was a Huxley, albeit a distant cousin. The bride's father had passed away years ago, and 
as it was her right. She'd requested the head of the family to walk her down the aisle. Nomi would walk her down the aisle. She stopped short and ran her hand down her silk sheath dress. There had never been a Lady Huxley. Since the beginning of the family line, the title had always passed to a male heir. Until Nomi. A knock on the door brought her back to the present. She couldn't afford to be distracted now, not with the eyes of every noble in Thalania on her. The king and his consorts had taken a risk overriding centuries of tradition and backing her claim to the Huxley family. And she'd be damned before she did something to endanger the position. Mooning about would only result in missteps. She hurried to the door and opened it, only to stop short as a shadow fell across her entire body. She knew that shadow, knew it intimately down to her very soul. Nomi looked up, up, up to the familiar, brutal face of the one man she'd hoped to avoid during her visit to the palace. She should have known she'd never be so lucky. Isaac, Lady Huxley, the cut stung, just as she imagined it was meant to. A reminder, a reminder of the intimacy they no longer shared of the choice she'd been forced to make two years ago, and of all that she'd sacrificed, even if she'd gained the things she'd thought she always wanted. She drew herself up, a laughable thing to do. Even though she was nearly six feet tall, Isaac Kozlov towered over her in both height and breadth. He filled the doorway and then some, and in any other place he would have to duck to walk through. Wait. Why would he be walking through at all? He wasn't here for her, no matter that he stood at her door. She'd burned that bridge two years ago when she'd chosen duty over something that might have been love. No, Nomi, you can lie to him if you need to, but you must never lie to yourself. It was love. Was being the operative word. She lifted her chin, all too aware that she gave herself away with that one movement but unable to help herself. Can I help you, Mr. Kozlov? Now it was his turn to hesitate. We need to go over the plan for your protective detail. She blinked. The palace has enough security that the nobles don't need individual protective details. That's the whole point of being in the palace. I have my orders. His rough features took on the stubborn set she knew so well. There would be no moving him. She could stand here and argue until they were both blue in the face and ready to throw things. Or she could let him in and deal with this behind closed doors and away from curious ears. Her irritation rose in time with the beat of her heart. But he had her cornered, and they both knew she'd rather die than make a scene. She stepped back, letting belligerence snap from every movement. Come in, then. She didn't wait for him choosing instead to march into the main living area and pour herself a strong drink. It might not be quite noon yet, but if she was going to have to deal with her ex less than an hour after she arrived, she was more than entitled to the brandy. All the brandy. Isaac walked into the room and gave it a cursory look. Nothing had changed since the last time he was here, when he'd bent her over. No, she couldn't take that walk down memory lane. It simply hurt too much. Nomi perched on the single chair, ceding the couch to him. Let him dwell on what they'd done the last time he'd occupied that exact seat. 
not that she'd get a reaction from Isaac. He'd always had a superior poker face, and today was no exception. He sank onto the couch, his massive body taking up two-thirds of it, and met her gaze directly. Those blue eyes held absolutely nothing. No tenderness, no desire, certainly no love. It was just business, and hell if that didn't hurt just as much as she deserved. Isaac leaned forward and braced his elbows on his thighs. The consort has made personal security arrangements for a few key individuals, and you are at the top of the list. As such, I've been assigned to you. No need to ask which consort Isaac meant. Only one of the royal triad had taken over as head of security. I'm going to kick your ass for this, Galen. Except she couldn't, because throwing a fit about Isaac being assigned to her meant admitting they'd ever been more than acquaintances. Assign me someone else. Believe me, I tried. I don't want to be in this position any more than you want me here. But Galen has his schedule and he's not budging. There it was, the tiniest of cracks in his armor. If Nomi was a better person, she'd ignore it and go on pretending they were nothing more than almost strangers. She wasn't a better person, not when it came to Isaac. Would you like me to apologize for the choice I made? Would that do a damn bit of difference? You know it wouldn't. He looked away. Her gaze dropped to the roping scar that spanned his thick neck, testament to his time moving in worlds far darker than hers. Death had brushed by Isaac far too often for her liking, and she could count the resulting marks on his big body. She had counted them, tracing the scars with her mouth, reassuring herself that he was here, he was safe, he was hers. No longer. Frustration boiled up inside her, a toxic mix that would do them no good if she let it loose. She could throw things and scream until she was breathless, and Isaac would stand there, a mountain to her storm, unmovable to the very last. It wouldn't change the past, just like it wouldn't change the future. Their paths were set in stone, taking them on routes that wouldn't converge again, except for this weekend. Nomi pushed to her feet and strode to the side table to refill her drink. With her back turned, she could feel his gaze on her, tracing her bare shoulders down her back, over the curve of her ass and settling on her legs. If she turned around, he'd mask his expression again. But for this one moment, she knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was looking at her like he used to, as if she was the sexiest woman he'd ever seen and he might die if he didn't have her in his arms. God, she missed him. She didn't quite have herself under control as she turned around. We might as well get on with going over security then. There have been threats made. We think they're the usual sort of thing that pops up during this kind of event. But we're doing our due diligence in the meantime. I'm surprised you didn't just trace the IP addresses and take care of it immediately. In addition to being deadly in a number of ways, Isaac was also downright magical with computers. She'd never seen anything like it. But in the time when he served as head of security, he'd completely revamped the palace camera system and stopped any number of threats before they could actually become threats. His blue eyes flashed, a temper there that she'd always been so adept at provoking. They were rerouted too many times to trace. 
Whoever it was knew what they were doing. Isaac stood slowly, towering over her despite the coffee table between them, and a thrill went through her. He lowered dark brows. This is a serious threat, Nomi. Don't be an idiot just because I'm the one delivering the news. She closed her eyes and embraced the anger his words brought. Better to be furious than to address the gaping hole in her heart that only seemed to widen the longer they stood in the same room and didn't touch. The constant reminder of what she'd sacrificed for her family's greater good. A fight she could handle. In fact, she embraced it. Excuse me? You always do this. You're so damn smart, and no one could possibly have thought of those same solutions. Well, we have. We've done our due diligence and then some. And whoever is making these threats is either a hacker with too much time on their hands or an actual threat. We are treating it like the latter. He ran a hand over his close-cropped dark hair, impatience and exasperation telegraphing every move. You are smart, Nomi. But I think we can both agree that you're not the smartest person in the room when it comes to this. You haven't been back in the palace in damn near two years and we've made changes to how things operate since then. Which means you require a damn babysitter. I'm just the unlucky bastard who pulled the short straw. She downed her drink. Tell Galen to assign someone else. I tried. He's made up his mind. Yeah, she just bet he did. Whether that order came from him directly, or one of the other two in the royal triad, it didn't matter. They were misguided in their meddling. She and Isaac were ancient history, and if she moved through every day since she left him with a broken shard in her heart, if it twisted painfully late at night when she lay alone in her too big bed, if some days she actually hated her family for requiring her to give up so much for them, it didn't matter. It couldn't matter. But just because she'd made the choice didn't mean she had to passively take whatever misguided matchmaking efforts her monarch and his two consorts attempted without complaint. Nomi set her glass down carefully. Throwing things would undermine her point, and she couldn't afford that. She smoothed her dress and checked her hair in the mirror hanging on the wall. Perfect, as always. Once upon a time, she'd known how to let her hair down and get rumpled but the safety for that had passed along with her relationship with Isaac. She headed for the door, pointedly ignoring the giant of a man taking up too much space. Naturally, it couldn't be that easy. Isaac stepped in front of her and held out a hand to stop her, but she wasn't in the mood to be stopped. She kept moving until his big hand pressed against the center of her chest. If you can't be bothered to put together a convincing argument, then I'll have to do it. Maybe if she kept her fury flaring hot, she wouldn't lose herself in how good it felt to have his rough palm dragging over her sternum, his fingers branching up to her collarbone and barely brushing the top curves of her breasts. He had to feel her heart racing beneath his touch, but she'd be damned before she relented first. Get out of my way, Isaac. You think you can just walk in there and start yelling and everyone will bend over backwards to give you what you want? He laughed harshly. You know better. Yeah, she did, but that wouldn't stop her. Getting a dressing down by Galen was better than dealing with this. Anything was better than dealing with this. She lifted her chin. If you're not going to rip this dress in half, then get your fucking hands off me, Isaac. 
he didn't hesitate. One second she stood there, sure he'd laugh in her face. And then the next, her dress was floating to the ground in silken shreds. Chapter 2 Isaac Kozlov had no goddamn sense when it came to Nomi. None. If he had, he wouldn't have let Galen steamroll him into this security detail, and he sure as fuck wouldn't have ripped off her dress, his body stepping to the gauntlet she'd thrown before his mind had a chance to catch up. Nomi stood there, naked but for a pair of fuck-me-red panties, staring him down as if daring him to take this further. She looked good. Better than good. Isaac had hundreds of memories of her imprinted on his brain, but none of them stood up to the real thing. She'd gained some muscle definition since he'd seen her last, her lean body toned and tight as if preparing for battle. He dragged his gaze over her, from her classy nude heels to those tees of panties, to her high breasts peaked with rosy pink nipples, and got caught on her red, red lips. Fuck, Nomi. Stop staring and do something about it. It was always like this with her. She might present the perfect princess persona to the public, but in private she was just as savage as he was, just as demanding, just as willing to step to the line and throw the first strike. He should walk. She'd made her choice, and Isaac had his pride. But Nomi reached up and pulled her hair out of its band letting the golden strands cascade around her shoulders, and he was lost. He moved toward her, and she met him in the middle, just like she always had. Nomi climbed him like a tree and wrapped her long legs around his waist, her mouth already seeking his by the time he grabbed her hips to steady her. She bit his bottom lip hard enough to make him groan, and then her tongue was there, stroking his tasting like the peppermints she always kept stashed in her army of purses. It struck him then that this was happening. For the first time in over two years, he had Nomi Huxley in his arms, writhing and making little desperate noises against his mouth, as if she couldn't wait to sink onto his cock. It would be the easiest thing in the world to undo his jeans and slide into her, the best kind of homecoming he sure as fuck didn't deserve. She didn't deserve it either. He turned without breaking their kiss, unable to stand even that much distance when he already knew how this would end. Isaac went to his knees in front of the couch, his height meaning that she could sit on the cushions and be lined up perfectly with the ridge of his cock. He thrust against her, grinding down in a motion designed to make her lose her fucking mind. She tore her mouth from his, and made a breathy, keening sound. Oh shit, Isaac, that feels good. How many? Nomi blinked those big blue eyes at him as he used his palms to spread her legs wider and dragged his thumb over her center. Her panties were in the way, but a mere two years wasn't anywhere near long enough to make Isaac forget how to touch her. A lifetime wouldn't be long enough not with their every time together haunting his dreams and far too many of his waking hours. He'd tried. He'd tried so fucking hard to forget her, to purge her from his mind and body the same way she seemed so willing to purge him. It hadn't worked. She was a drug to his system, and he needed another hit. Now. 
He ripped her panties off and tossed them aside, and there she was, wet and pink and practically dripping for him. He pushed two fingers slowly into her, cursing softly when her pussy clamped around him like she never wanted to let him go. He knew better. How many, Nomi? He kept up that slow finger-fucking. How many men did it take before you forgot how my cock filled you up? How many times did you scream my name when they tongued your pussy before you remembered it wasn't me, would never be me again? Bastard! But she lifted her hips to take his fingers deeper, her body betraying the truth despite her harsh tone. Isaac braced one hand on the back of the couch, leaning down until his lips almost brushed hers with every word. It doesn't matter. They didn't give you what you need the rough and ready fucking that only I can provide. They made love to you, polite sex beneath the covers in the dark until you were bored to death of them. She dropped her chin, and that was the only answer he needed. Look at me, Nomi. You look at me when I'm inside you, and you say my fucking name when you come, so we both know exactly who you're craving. Me. No one else. Cruel. He was so fucking cruel, and he couldn't bring himself to care, not with his heart bleeding out between them, even after all this time. You weren't, her breath hitched as he crooked his fingers inside her. You fucked other people too. Yeah, I did, until they all ran together and I stopped bothering to tell them apart. He pressed his thumb to her clit and caught her mouth as she came apart around him eating her cries and milking her orgasm until she could do nothing more than shake. Isaac withdrew his fingers from her, waited for her to meet his gaze, and then sucked them into his mouth, reveling in the taste of her even as he hated himself a little bit for not having the self-control to walk away before they got to this point. He stood before she could reach for him and moved away. Nomi struggled to sit up, and even naked and flushed with her hair a mess, she still looked so fucking perfect. The ache in his chest wouldn't get better as long as she was in the palace, but he hadn't expected for this to crack the wound wide open. He wanted to rail at her, to point out for the thousandth time why she was a goddamn coward for leaving him, why she could have had it all, but she'd chosen the easy way out. What was the point? She made her choice. He made his when he didn't go after her and try to force the issue. End of story. Or it would have been if Nomi wasn't sitting there with evidence of the orgasm he'd just given her written all over her face. Mistake. This was a mistake. He started for the door. Oh, no, you don't. Nomi somehow got there first and plastered herself against it, though her lips were swollen from his kisses. He recognized the hard look in her eyes. She pointed a finger at him. You get to be cruel? I deserve it. You can spit all the bullshit you want, but you do not get to start something we both want and then walk before it's finished. I don't want to finish it. Liar. She watched him for a moment, and then another. Finally, Nomi stepped away from the door and smoothed her hair back. She didn't give a fuck that she was naked except for the heels she'd managed to keep on, 
and he couldn't help raking his gaze over her again, soaking up every second of this experience to torment himself with later. Because torment is exactly what he'd experience. He'd be jacking himself seven times a day for God knew how long to exercise the single orgasm he'd just given her. If that wasn't karma, Isaac didn't know that karma existed. Nomi didn't approach him. She just walked to that damn side table and poured herself yet another tumbler of brandy. Unless something had drastically changed in the last two years, three wasn't enough to get her more than a little buzzed. But Isaac didn't like that he'd driven her to drink so much in such a short time. This is what you wanted, isn't it? To make her hurt the same way she made you hurt? Too bad that blade cut both ways and cut deep. Leave. That's what you were doing, isn't it? Putting me in my place? She lifted the glass to her lips, and he detected the slightest shake in her hand. Nomi drained the amber liquid without so much as a grimace and set the glass back on the table. You win, Isaac. Yes, there were others. No, they can't compare to you, so I stopped trying. I'm so desperate for your cock. I'm as close to begging as I'll ever get. Her lips pulled up into an unhappy smile. Would you like me on my knees, crawling to you? No, never that. He looked at the door. A few steps and he could be out of this room, down the hallway, charging to the security headquarters to demand Galen take him off this security detail. He hadn't asked the other man for shit in all the years they'd known each other, and Galen could do him this single goddamn favor especially since Isaac was the one who'd helped pave the way for their exiled king to retake his throne. Yeah, it was his duty, but he'd gone out on a limb for them. The least they could do was give him a different detail that wouldn't twist the knife for the next three days. Isaac sighed. That's not what I want. Could have fooled me. Nomi wasn't any closer, but her voice drew him coaxing him to face her again. Why couldn't he leave this woman alone? One would think he'd have learned his lesson by now, but then Isaac had always been a stupid son of a bitch when it came to Nomi Huxley. She started to cross her arms over her chest, but abandoned the motion halfway through. What if it was just for now? It's three days. I hurt you, and I'm sorry. She straightened, throwing her shoulders back. Take it out on me, all of it. All the anger and frustration and bullshit. Punish me if that will make things right. There was no making things right. She knew that, even if she was reaching right now to prolong this goodbye. Because that's exactly what this was. Their last goodbye. Once the prince was married, there wouldn't be any critical events that required Nomi to have a security detail. And if there was, She'd bring her own people. Even when she was in the palace for family shit, he could plan on it and avoid her accordingly. You want me to take it out on you? He said slowly, giving her time to change her mind. Isaac should have known better. Once Nomi set herself on a path, not even a hurricane could blow her off course. She nodded, something like relief flickering over her features as he turned from the door. Yes, 
That's exactly what I want. Are you feeling guilty, Nomi? Or are you just looking for an excuse to have my cock again? Both. No hesitation. Sure as fuck, no embarrassment. He loved her so much, he couldn't breathe. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Years and pain and the kind of heartbreak Shakespearean tragedies were made of should have smothered any feeling he had for this woman. Walking away was the only option. He'd kept barely a shred of his sanity intact when she left, and Isaac had managed to crawl halfway out of that hole in the intervening time. Not all the way. He wasn't sure he'd ever be whole again. More than his multitude of scars, more than the battles of his youth, the thing that launched him out of sleep in terror night after night was the memory of Nomi's lips forming the words, It's over. I'm now head of family Huxley, and I can't be with you anymore. Never again. Never again. Those two little words haunted him still. But when he opened his mouth to reject her, the words wouldn't come. Different syllables rose in their place, hijacking what was left of his good sense. You want to beg, Nomi? Then get on your fucking knees. Sky Warren has a brand new book out today, Strict Confidence, Rochester Trilogy, Book Two. Forbidden, Commanding, Mysterious, Bo Rochester has an entire house full of secrets, and those secrets are putting Jane Mendoza in danger. She fell in love with the one man she can't have. She should leave Maine to protect her heart, but the thread refuses to be severed. The brooding Mr. Rochester and his grieving niece are more than her job. They're her new family. She races against time to find answers and protect the people she loves. The cliffside grows dark with the misdeeds of the past. Her heart and her sanity fight a battle, but they are both at risk. Will Mr. Rochester learn to trust Jane? And will that trust destroy her? Grab Strict Confidence by Sky Warren out today. The Rochester Trilogy, book two. Welcome back. Hey, so that was the first installment of their second chance. You know, thanks again for for listening to us uh, and and joining us this week for Katie Roberts. Go enter to win the giveaway. Like I said, it's a signed paperback and a $25 gift card. And be sure to join us in Read Me Romance Headquarters for all All the good fun stuff. Check out the new releases. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) Tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make stay your bitch. Don't be a dick. Read me romance. Read, read me romance.